you've got questions about neurofeedback, and I've got the answers to some of the most common questions people have about neurofeedback. Hi, I'm Dr. Roseanne, and I'm a mental health trailblazer. And join me as we have real conversations about real solutions to kids and their families' problems. And today, we're going to talk about what are some of the most common questions people have about neurofeedback, the process, everything all about neurofeedback. So let's dive in. Hi, Dr. Roseanne here, and we're having this awesome conversation about all things neurofeedback. And this is my neurofeedback frequently asked questions. So I get a lot of questions from families, from providers, friends, all kinds of things. Everything from people coming up to me who are, who I'm not saying they're my friends, but I maybe I met them at a party who's like, does this stuff really work? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to spend my whole career doing this. Yes. And the research says it. So let's dive in to some of the most common questions people have about neurofeedback in general. And I think let's start from the beginning. So people have questions about, do I get a QEG brain map or do I not get a QEG brain map? And, you know, I love QEG brain maps. My gosh, I love a QEG brain map. It kind of answers a lot of questions. But I also work with people remotely all over the world and not everybody flies out to me or drives to me. You have to collect some data, right? So we collect data in certain regions and then do comparisons, statistical comparisons. So data collection is at a minimum. And some people do different formulas. There's all kinds of formulas, but there needs to be data collected. And I like to collect data of brainwave activity. I'm super nerd. Then I collect data on neuropsych symptoms. Then I collect data on our own symptom trackers. One person, yeah, it's great to have a neuropsych thing, but like that might not reflect a really specific type of OCD intrusive thought or poor handwriting. Whatever it is, that way we can really drill it down and customize things. And we can look for changes in intensity, frequency, duration. We're not looking for a miracle right out of the gate, right? We're looking or or even at all, we're really looking for those micro changes that reflect a deeper level of change. And it's unique to each person. So I think my next question that I get a lot is like, you know, what is this neurofeedback? What is a session like? So if you haven't seen a session and you can listen to an earlier episode, you are hooked up to a computer and I now have collected data. I know exactly what regions I want to change, right? Because the brain map in particular will show you exactly what's going at. There's no guessing. Is this ADD? Is this anxiety? Is this OCD alone? Is this PANS? What is this? We're going to know. If we're just collecting data, we're going to use the data in combination with a really deep intake because that is, I've done so many, over 10,000 brain maps that I now know when this person says this, this is this region of the brain. Plus, we know exactly what the brain does. So what will happen is I make a protocol based on that data and a person is hooked up, nothing comes through the wires and in two to three seconds, they're going to receive feedback when they produce that healthy combination. And that's how quickly the brain learns to get into a healthy rhythm. So it's sort of like, I'm not going to start the treadmill slow. I'm actually going to jump on it. That's exactly what happens with neurofeedback if you can visualize that. 
they're able to get up to a 3.0, like a fast walking um, pace in two to three seconds. And that is happening because it's getting visual feedback. What we use is movies, movies playing and auditory feedback. Every type of neurofeedback is a little different. That's another frequently asked question. So, and it's pleasant, it's enjoyable, and it's pretty rare that somebody has an issue. And kids that are younger, so people, another frequently asked question is, what age can you start? So three and a half is sort of the industry standard as the youngest. You have to be evaluated. Somebody called me today with a three-year-old whose physician said could sit for neurofeedback So I want to honor this person instead of getting on a plane. They live quite a few states away. I was like, send me some video of them sitting for more than 10 minutes, watching a movie or coloring, whatever you think that they can sit doing an art activity. Because I don't want to waste their time. So you've got to be able at that young of an age, it's eight or 10 minutes. So most sessions are about 30 minutes. You want to plan for 20 to 30 minutes, right? That's another frequently asked question. How long are the sessions? 20 to 30 minutes, longer is not better. The brain will get tired. Then how often do you go? Most people are going two to three times a week. So if you're over age seven, I would say most kids can easily do 20 minutes. But if you're a kid on the spectrum or you're having a flare with pants, it might need to be eight minutes, right? So eight to 10 minutes is sort of that bare minimum. And some people can tolerate going every day with intensity. It's very unique. Your provider will really be the one to determine that. Some people fly out to me and they we do a five-day intensive. We carefully screen. We want to make sure that it's a win-win for you. Why would you do intensive, right? Is intensive better than doing two or three times a week? Certainly, you must go at least twice a week or you're kind of wasting your time. It's not enough reinforcement. Again, remember, it's like working out. Go back and listen to the previous episode. You have to spend some repetition to build the muscle to get the brain to say, hey, I'm not going to stay in this unfocused or I'm not going to stay in this anxious brainwave or let the OCD be in charge. I'm going to really be regulated. That's going to take some effort and time. Does your child struggle to complete tasks or they can't stay focused enough to finish their homework or get anything done? Or maybe they're super fearful and moody. This may leave you questioning if your child has ADHD or something else like a learning problem, anxiety, depression, or OCD. Well, I've created a quick quiz that will tell you if it's ADHD or something else. Text the word quiz to one three alert more to take my free quiz so you can get to the bottom of what's going on and the right solutions. That's text the word quiz to one three alert more. So that's really important to understand that. Now, 
the research just this year is saying that intensive neurofeedback is a little more efficacious. But again, not every brain can do it, especially when I have people who've got like Bartonella and, and they're an active flare with parasites and mold and whatever. I mean, if they're in a full inflammation, sometimes just as conservative as possible. I've done people where we had to do once a week. Again, it's very dependent on the skill. People say, will it work? How effective is neurofeedback? Well, we know there's thousands of research studies. You heard me say it in almost every episode. It works. It's very effective. But one of the number one determining factors in the efficacy of neurofeedback is the skill set of the practitioner. So you heard me talk about how to find somebody and you really want to have people with experience in your area. If you're coming in for chronic pain, don't go to somebody who doesn't have experience with chronic pain. You don't want to be case number two. It's the same thing. Do you want to go to a brain surgeon who just got out of school? Or do you want to go to a brain surgeon who's done, you know, 3,000 brain surgeries? I'm going to go to the one who's gone to 3,000. Okay, I'm not going to gamble on those kind of things. So it's very much determined on the skill set of the person. But guess what? It's you. So are the parents following up when Dr. Rowe says, you know, hey, we need some GABA and some magnesium to calm down that brain in addition to doing neurofeedback. And they're like, well, I don't really feel like adding it in right now because I want to see if the neurofeedback is going to work on your own. No, that's not how it works. And that's why we do a wraparound program. We know what works. I know what works. The research is really clear about what changes the brain. It's pretty straightforward. But yet we're still doing Russian roulette with medications that are off-label, right? 70% of medications for children are used off-label. That's not acceptable. It is efficacious. It will work. But you need to do two to three sessions a week. You need to be consistent. You need to make some lifestyle changes, right? Change those behaviors, add on some good things. You, know, you can't just do neurofeedback, be in a high-stress situation, only eating chicken nuggets and french fries. You as parents are in constant friction with your kids. You can't expect that to just work a miracle on its own. The brain will do some calming, but it's not going to create that kind of shift that you really need to have happen. So that's really important. So what kind of equipment is best? So in my field, <laughs> there's a lot of negative talk about equipment, and that is just ridiculous. So it's not the equipment that's all FDA approved. It's the provider that makes the difference. So I think people that are small-minded and don't know what they're doing, focus on the equipment. Yes, there are certain equipment that is better for certain conditions, 100%, absolutely. And if you're going to a very niched provider, right? Like I do a lot of work with complex cases, layered cases. Not many people do that. PANS, PANDAS, OCD, anxiety, learning disabilities that are complex, all those kind of things. I'm going to use equipment for that kind of person. So if you're working with an adult provider, they might be able to do Z-Source score training, right? Calf training or InfraSlow. That doesn't work with my population. It does not. I'm constantly fixing those cases. So you have to go to that person who's the specialist in your area. And the good thing is providers like me, we are using... Uh, virtual equipment. Why mail you equipment? And then people ask me, is virtual as good as in center? It is. 
when people are doing their sessions. <laughs> so um, sometimes people get the equipment and don't do it. It's kind of silly. They still have to pay. So I think that's really, really important. And people ask me, lastly, what do they ask? Like about the efficacy. What does the research say? There really are thousands of research studies that show it's efficacious. One of the criticisms is there's a lot of small studies. Very, very true. As an org group and working on a, a national level, people have been pushing to try to do large-scale NIH studies without getting funding. So that's one part of it. There was a large research study that was done right when the pandemic is happening. So I'm not sure where that was, if it was put on pause. I don't know what's going on, but they had a really healthy response with kids with ADHD and monitoring them. And some of the preliminary research, because I know the research is it's not neurofeedback alone. Make sure you listen to that. It's lifestyle, it's diet, it's sleep, it's moderating stuff, stress. Those are the kind of things. So those are some of the top questions that I get about neurofeedback. It's definitely an amazing tool. It's not the only tool. And I, of course, use it with other resources, other brain-based tools like PMF, biofeedback. And I use more than one kind of neurofeedback. It's just EEG tends to be the one that I prefer because my cases are complex. I need a higher level of control to really be conservative in making sure the brain is going to change and not destabilize. And that's why you need a really highly experienced provider, particularly with these complex brains with infectious disease. So I hope you learned a lot. This will not be the final conversation about neurofeedback, but it is, I try to create a series to educate you, to open your mind, and hopefully it means that you're going to find a provider or contact us to learn more. And you can go to drrosanne.com forward slash apply and apply to work with us. And we'd be grateful to have you. So be well, love and light. Dr. Rowe, wherever you are on your healing journey is exactly where you need to be. Parenting is hard and there are many ups and downs. Just know that no matter what is going on with your kid, as long as you take one step towards a solution, it's going to be okay. You need the right solution to help your child be successful at home, school, and life. And that's why I've created the Solution Matcher. Go to drrosanne.com forward slash help, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N forward slash help to get the right solution for where you're at. 